Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to episode 286 of Habs Unfiltered. I am Blaine Pudvay, and I am flying solo for this episode. Matt Smith has been uh, sent away on assignment. I believe it's a northern operation. Um, Treg Wilson, he is prepping for his bodybuilding competition that will be held on Saturday the 29th. Check out his Twitter feed, Treg Wilson underscore THW. And... Find the link to watch and support Treg in his year-long effort to be able to compete in this competition. This is a big deal. He put in a ton of work. We here at Habs Unfiltered, all of us, myself, Matt, we're very proud of Treg. We're, we, we love the fact that he has dedicated himself to bettering himself in a way that makes him feel better. And we suggest... Everyone should try that at least once in their lifetime. Do something just for themselves, and give it a try. Anyway, uh, this episode, it's going to be short, as I am alone, and I don't have anyone to uh, mock me, or interrupt, or basically have fun picking on me. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Minnesota Wild game, uh, something about the young players, uh, maybe a little bit about the Buffalo game, and uh, that should do it for this episode. So why don't we just kick it off with the Minnesota game? So the Canadians lost 3-1 to the Minnesota Wild. Um, it was a home game. They lost, That was their first home loss. I felt that the Canadians looked pretty good in that game. I mean, this is this is the type of hockey that most of us expected from the Canadians at the start of the year where they're, there's a ton of effort. They're, they're taking chances. They're making chances. They're creating opportunities to score, but it's opening them up to counterattacks and opportunities on the other side. This game, however, uh, it fell to a lack of discipline. In my opinion, the Canadians were able to get power plays, but the moment they got a little bit going, they took a penalty and did the power play right there. Uh, and I'll come back to power plays here in a minute. The uh, the the penalty kill continued to surprise. I mean, they're averaging over 85% in penalty kills. 
they're in the top 10 in the NHL in the penalty killing aspect, which is uh, not what we expected. Uh, Definitely not what I expected. But that's a good surprise, especially considering it is the young defensemen who are playing big roles in that penalty kill. With Edmondson and Matheson out injured, they had to rely on four rookies. And the defense hasn't looked that bad. Uh, It's been helped along quite a bit by uh, the play of Jake Allen in a few games where Allen has really stood on his head, made some big saves. Even Montembeau had a couple of good, really solid games. Um, Overall, uh, this Minnesota team was a team that's desperate for wins. And they're a team that are supposed to be challenging, not just for a playoff spot, but to make a deep run. So oh, a slow start to the season. They showed up to Montreal. You get that bell center boost uh, when visiting teams come in and they haven't spent the night in Montreal the night before. They really took it to the Canadians, but the Canadians pushed back. They, 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 they made it a really interesting, entertaining game. Now, it could have had a different outcome had the power play been able to produce. Uh, the Canadians' power play is second last in the NHL, and that's only because the Columbus Blue Jackets had not scored a power play goal. They're the only team to not score a goal on the power play, and that's the only reason their power play is less than the Canadians. But for the Canadians' power play, we saw a ton of passing, a ton of wasted efforts. They they kept attacking that Minnesota blue line with that draw pass so they can try and have speed through the neutral zone to cross that blue line with a controlled entry. But the Wild basically stood them up across the blue line. If they were able to cross into the power play zone, um, Instead of trying to get shots on net, they were making a ton of passes and trying to set up Caulfield or Suzuki, basically so that they can get shots off from the top of the circle. Defenses and opposition teams are starting to really key in on this. Um, It's it's predictable. And St. Louis has mentioned basically without saying that they're becoming predictable, but he is saying that they're passing too much, shooting too little, and they're not getting enough traffic in front of the net. And that's where the power play should really simplify. Throw a couple of guys in front of the net. Get shots through traffic. It doesn't have to be a blistering slap shot or a, a bar down snapper. Just quick shots towards the net through traffic. Uh, little wrist shots. Uh, I mean, you look at Arbor Jacki's first NHL goal. Granted, it wasn't on the power play, but that's the kind of shooting I'm talking about where it's just a, a wrist shot. It's accurate. It's on net. You don't know what's going to happen. If the goalie has a screen in front of him, he doesn't see it in time. It'll go in. Uh, you throw some pucks into the feet. Maybe there's a deflection. Maybe there's a rebound. They got to They got to outwork their opposition when they're on the power play. Uh, I don't know if it's something that Burroughs is going to be able to fix 
where St. Louis is going to have to take over as the uh, power play coach. But something's going to have to change a little bit here because the last few years, power play has not looked very good. And this year, they actually have some personnel who can really help with that. So we'll see what happens in the following games. They play Buffalo, as I record, it's the 27th of October. They play Buffalo tonight. Maybe power play starts getting on a roll. At the very least, you want to have a power play that stays in the other team's end, that creates opportunities, and builds momentum. You want you want to tire out their defensive units so that you can follow it up with a solid energy uh, shift right after and just really push the pace. That's the hope. Uh, if they can't get that power play on the roll, the Canadians' rush defense is going to start to be keyed upon. Um, and I say that because the Canadians' offense is basically one-dimensional, and it's shots off the rush. They haven't been able to sustain pressure in the zone, so they rely heavily on that transition game. And while it's early in the season and it has had some successes, by game 15, 20, other teams are going to key in on this. They're going to adjust, and the Canadians are going to have to find other ways to generate chances, at the very least, to keep opposition defenses honest. Now, moving on to the younger players, I was talking about Jack Eye earlier, um, and he was in the news again, obviously, you know, being a big, big, intimidating defenseman that uh, tends to become a, a folk favorite in Montreal. Stefan Robida compared Jack Eye to a Sheldon Sure. He he believes that Jack Eye is going to become something of what Sure was. Big physical defenseman with a heavy shot. Uh, now Sure was on uh, a power play specialist, especially with that heavy shot. I mean, we were just talking about the power play. Why not? Why not try him on the power play? Why not make him a, a one-time weapon? He's not a puck distributor like uh, a Weidman would be. Um, that's not his strength. He's, he's capable. He's mobile, but he's not as mobile or as capable of moving pucks as others on the blue line. But he does have that shot. If he does become what Sure was, that would be a massive find by the Canadians. This is found money. Whether he succeeds or fails, it doesn't, a failure doesn't hurt the Canadians. It'll hurt Jack Guy. Granted, it'd be, it'd be a shame to see this kid falter, but I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this kid is going to be a really solid third pairing defenseman. He might become more if he becomes a sewer, he becomes a second pairing, um, maybe a specialist in something. If that if that happens, this this is a, a UFA undrafted. He's found money. So if he comes close to that, great. If he all he becomes is a third pairing defenseman, great. It, it's it's like finding some money in an old jacket. It, you, you find a five dollar bill, 
you're pretty happy. And that's basically what this is if he's a third pairing. But if you find a $100 bill and he becomes Sure, that's amazing. Now, moving on to another young player, uh, the Canadians picked up Kirby Doc this summer as a former third overall pick. Um, he, he's called a reclamation project by some, and, and that's fine. Uh, he's only 21. He's got a lot of time left. He's on that four-year deal. From what I've seen so far early in the season, he has shown flashes of what he can become, and that's a, a top six center who's capable of maybe taking on a, a top-line role if there's injuries. Now, the big knock on him is that his face-offs, he's not that good. And, and he's just starting to get into uh, improving on that. Last year, he only had 30%. This year, it's a little bit higher, but it's still low. It's still under 40. And you don't want that for a center. Now, Eric Hood of BPM Sport, he uh, he said that Doc shouldn't be a center, that he should be a winger. And uh, I have a hard time agreeing with this right now. And that's because we look at other young centers. Uh, Matthew Berniers in Seattle. He's at 37%. Uh, Matt Barzal, New York Islanders just signed him to a massive new deal. He is going to be their, he is their number one center. And his face-off percentage is around 33%. Jack Hughes in, in New Jersey, he's their number one center. He He's at 35%. Zegers in Anaheim. Everybody's raving about Zegers and how amazing he is. The the Michigan goal, the lacrosse goals, the little flip over the net goals. So creative. Great skater. Good puck distributor. Amazing center. 37% in the face-off circle. These are guys who have very... Uh, they got varied skills at, that fit really well as a center. And Doc fits in as a center as well, their Achilles heel, like Doc, is the face-off circle. Now, having Monaghan or another veteran on his wing to help with face-offs, that's great. But he needs to pick up and learn face-offs a little bit more. For instance, if he's in the defensive zone, take the face-off to not lose. You know, you, you, you battle so that the puck doesn't get into a clear opening, you, you hold up your man, you you muck it up a little bit so that the puck kind of sticks and then your your teammates can help out a little bit, cover that defensive zone. Because if you lose the, the draw cleanly in the offensive zone, that's a scoring chance for the other team. You don't want that. So you may lose the faceoff, but if you tie up the other man or you make it so that even if you lose the face-off, they don't win it. It's just sitting there. They don't win it cleanly. Then you've done your job. It, that is acceptable. In my opinion, that is what a center should be doing in the defensive zone at the very least. 
once you're in the offensive zone, uh, take the face off to win it. Uh, you want to win it clean. You want to get that scoring chance. You don't want to get tied up. It's basically the opposite. If he can get to that point, his percentages may never reach 50%, but if he can get there, he can get about 40, 45%. And he's taking those face-offs, not to lose in the defensive zone, but to win in the offensive zone. I think that's acceptable. I think that would be good enough, considering all the other aspects of his game, to keep him at center in a top six role. You still have Suzuki on the first line. You still have Dvorak for now. Uh, Jake Evans, who Dvorak and Evans are very good in the faceoff circle. Suzuki, he's getting better. I mean, when he started in the NHL, he was under 40% as well. So it takes time. It, there, it's, it's practice. It's technique. If he gets there, then the Canadians have real, uh, really scored themselves a gem by trading away something from the depth. They traded a left-handed defenseman when they had a lot of them. Granted, I loved Romanov when he was here, but he's not anymore. Speaking of left-handed defensemen, the Canadians made a trade. They traded away Cam Hillis, and in return, they got themselves a puck-moving left-handed defenseman from Chicago who... I'm going to be honest, He he's, I don't know if he's going to become anything more than a third line player at the third pairing defenseman at best, but you never know. You never know. He might become more. He could become a, I don't know, could become a, a third pairing power play specialist like Weidman is. So Nicola Baudet from chicago he he's from quebec he was picked up in the first round by chicago he cleared waivers and went to rockford so now the canadians by picking him up they pick up a left-handed defenseman for the rocket he doesn't have to clear waivers he's already down you can put him in laval and laval honestly they need some help on defense they they've been having some issues uh, especially in their transition game and generating offense. Uh, it seems to be a theme early in the season for the Canadian system, except in the they're They're blowing up with goals and power play goals. Um, so this is a kid who, he, he needed this fresh chance. So we'll see what he can do with it. But he fits into the style in the mold that Hughes and Gorton want from a defenseman mobile excellent puck carrier good vision now Bodai needs some work on his defense defensive positioning uh, at the pro level he'll get a little bit of work on that in, in Laval but this opens doors this allows more depth for the Canadians to possibly make other trades down the line so Edmondson is going to be taking the uh, road trip with the Canadians he might come back soon. We're not too sure on his return, but that creates uh, a bit of a logjam at the NHL level of left-handed defensemen. Maybe they move him to the right-hand side. We'll see. But it does open up that opportunity that if Edmondson comes back healthy and he's looking good, they get a good offer, they, they'd be more likely to pull the trigger. 
Now the Buffalo game. <laughs> um, in the past, Buffalo has been a horrible hockey team, and the Canadians have been unable to beat that horrible hockey team. Now, this season, things have kind of evened out. Uh, the Canadians are not that great. They're rebuilding. And the Sabres have really taken a step forward in that decades-long rebuild. They have Rasmus Dahlin. They have Owen Power. Alex Tuck is playing well. Um, they, they've got a really solid power play. And the, the Sabres have won seven of their last ten games against the Canadians. Now, Buffalo, they're supposed to finish ahead of Montreal. They they score more. Um, they they defend a little bit better, and Rasmus Dahlin is on a fire to start this season. He's making a he's making a push for Norris contention. So it, it's going to be a fun game to watch. They're both young young teams. There's a lot of solid young talent. Uh, it should be a more high pace game the Canadians power play is going to have to play a role in this. If they want to stay within, you know, a goal or two, keep it close, keep it exciting, even maybe pull out a win. We'll see what happens. Uh, It should be fun to watch, but that's pretty much all I've got for this episode. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their patience, uh, for our inability to get a show out uh, until now this week. Uh, Things have been very busy. Uh, Jobs, families, careers, everyone has these issues. Again, I'm sorry for not getting one out sooner, but we're going to do the best we can. Uh, From my co-hosts, Matt Smith and Trey Wilson, and myself, I want to thank everyone for listening. Keep interacting with us. Keep those messages, emails, tweets, uh, comments, everything coming. Uh, We do appreciate it. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.